Welcome to the Tales of Mythic Adventure podcast, coming to you from distant shores. And welcome to Tales of Mythic Adventure. And this is an exciting episode because I've got my co-host back. How are you, Jeff? I'm doing fantastic, and I'm glad to be back. I've just been overwhelmed with all the projects that I've been working on. I haven't had a chance to co-host my own show, which is yeah. kind of crazy. Well, we've we've got you deeply immured in your bunker in Berlin, working on all sorts of stuff. And I thought this episode would be a really good one to just have a bit of an overview about some of the really cool things that we are trying to get out. Okay, well, there's uh, we we can we can hit this in in several directions. The 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 800 pound gorilla is the RuneQuest project, which is multiple books. But we've also got Mythic Iceland, some Cthulhu projects, uh, and uh, more. Well, where so to start? Let, let's about- let's start with the 800 pound gorilla, and okay. uh, let's let's talk RuneQuest. So this is a big project. And this is probably the one that's occupying uh, the vast majority of your time. How about a synoptic overview of exactly what people are going to get when, when it finally comes out? Well, what we wanted to do with RuneQuest is make sure that when we launch the, the new RuneQuest line, that you don't just get a core rulebook and then wait several months for some material to actually be playable. And so what we're putting together is we've got a core rules book, uh, Glorantha and Best Jerry, a Game Master book, uh, Dragon Pass campaign, and then a Game Master package of very useful play aids. And that's what we've we've been calling Phase 1 of the new RuneQuest. So what would you like me to start with? <laughs> well, that's all pretty exciting. If we, if we... It's a lot of material. Frankly, when we relaunch uh, the, the new RuneQuest in one fell swoop, there will be more Glorantin RuneQuest material uh, printed by Chaosium than was ever printed by Avalon Hill. That's very exciting. And, of course, one of the uh, things about the Avalon Hill uh, RuneQuest line is it what took I think seven or eight years for them to actually bring out something new for for Glorantha. Yes, yes, and that's that's one of the reasons that we're putting so much effort up front and and front loading these releases, uh, and and then going on to phase two to build it and expand on it. So there's going to be so much stuff for people to play. That is that is really exciting. So let's let's take those uh, those books one at a time. I guess, you know, if we really want to take a step back, um, you could look at analogy and compare it to uh, Call of Cthulhu 7 that came out. And that, of course, has the Investigator uh, Handbook and the Keeper Rulebook. Um, is there a similarity here with what we're doing with RuneQuest? Well, we've got a core rule book and a game master book. Mm-hmm. You know, in the core rule book, and the core rule book is... Uh, pretty much well written. The only part that I still need to do is finish the uh, storyline, and there's a storyline webbed through the examples uh, that so is similar this is, this to... So this is the Rurik the Restless type story. Well, line. it's actually more... I, you know, we all love Rurik the Rest, uh, Restless, but that really wasn't... There wasn't actually that much to it. There wasn't this really is, a story with Rurik, was there? Yeah, this is more like uh, Baturian Varash or uh, Holgrim Saga. 
which I think were much better fleshed out stories. There was a lot more information. And then all the examples are built out from that. And I'm just finishing that that piece off. That's not oh, interfering. That's cool. So um, that's, just just so people are aware, um, Baturian Varosh's story was in Cults of Prax. Yes, and Hallgrim's was in uh, Cults of Terror. And those, in my opinion, in my opinion, those were the two best uh, Glorantha internal stories that were that were woven through uh, Glorantha uh, publications. Yeah, they were great. They were they were vignettes of a, um, and so. It was nicely done, wasn't it? In in Cults of Prax, you had each of the cults presented, and uh, good old Baturian, the Asari's trader, um, encountering them on his his journey around Prax. The uh, one in Cults of Terror was a bit more of a um, a dramatic saga, wasn't it? Because that was a a war against. Uh, that was a war against Rausakar. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No, which was fantastic, but those those things captured the imagination, and so we're, I'm putting uh, a special care on the writing of that uh, the saga material for the RuneQuest core rules. But that doesn't affect, um, it, frankly, all that doesn't actually affect any of the editing that's being done right now by Jason Dural to actually uh, do the final edits for the rules and, and the examples. It's, it's basically up to me to be able to create the uh, polished saga that, that underpins all that. But so that's there's, the last... There's, there's, two, there's two elements to the saga. One is it's going to be a cool story. And the other yep. is it does actually, like the Rurik saga, uh, explain and exemplify how certain rules work. Yes, and actually, if you if if you're familiar with HeroQuest Glorantha, we did the same thing with Samastina Saga, uh, which is a and now in that one that was more uh, explicitly the story of play, whereas this is going to be more in the style of of uh, Baturian Varash and Hallgrim Saga, where it's going to be a story, and then we draw examples of how this story gets played out in uh, to. Uh, describe and explain uh, certain parts of the rules. Wonderful. So that's the. It's, um, that's... It's, a, it's a style I think that we've always associated with with high quality Chaosium publications. Oh, for sure. So that's the um, that's the core rule book. Tell us yeah. a bit more about the Game Master book. Okay. Now the Game Master book is uh, it's a collection of additional materials that don't need to be in a core rule book because it's it's not of some of it is stuff that that is better kept up the game master's uh sleeve like rules on chaos rules on illumination uh the uh explanation of how the red magic uh, the red goddess cult works uh explanations or or materials on how to stage battles in RuneQuest, and then the big block of it is over 50 uh, uh, encounters, you know, basically um, as done in Borderlands or Griffin Mountain or Sarder Companion. Uh, uh, enough material of various potential encounters, monsters, humans, uh, elder races, uh, whatever, that are written up and statted for the GM so that you can have a sandbox campaign. You can wander around Dragon Pass and uh, simply have many, many, many sessions dealing with 
just the weird inhabitants of the Dragon Pass area. And and RuneQuest really requires having uh, pre-statted encounters. It's it's a much more detailed system than than HeroQuest. And if there's combat, GM definitely wants to have access to the the stats and characteristics of of a particular monster, and not try to do that on the fly. Sure, and and I mean. Not only are uh, they're just going to be the stat blocks, uh, there's going to be some really good uh, meaty description of these encounters as well. Oh yes, oh yes, and 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 part of this is is that it, in some ways it's easier to explain the rules and the world uh, through the things you might encounter. Sure. So, uh, how many of those are there going to be? Do you think in the final uh, approximately fifty? Fifty-five-zero. Yeah, five-zero. Yeah. Wow. Plus uh, another uh, dozen to a score of special encounters that are just basically preset examples of how weird and funky things can be in Glorantha. And again, the the idea is is, is uh, this is modeled off what was in Griffin Mountain or Sarter Companion, but but lifted up a notch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and also, and, I'm going to throw in in Sun County as well. Sun County as well. Although Sun County had more on the 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 statted up material on, the, on Sun County was more special encounters, which were fantastic. It had an encounter table, but it didn't have stat blocks for all of it. Very true. It did actually, though, have a um, gigantic pile of Tusker dung, which I'm very proud of. Yes, it did. It did. <laughs> Uh, we we probably have that mess because this dragon pass and and not you know the uh, remote isolated xenophobic <laughs> county and river river cradles. This is this is the crossroads of the continent. But it's 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 kind of fun, you know. So among the among the things that are that are really interested in developing is what do black horse riders. Um, look like and function like as an encounter in RuneQuest. Now, HeroQuest, we've done that before, but HeroQuest, HeroQuest is easy to hand wave. Uh, RuneQuest isn't. You've really got to define things down. Or uh, how about uh, pure horse people, uh, Grazelanders? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, we will have some Grazelander encounters. We even have some uh, encounter with a uh, squad from... The, uh, a seven-member squad from the Lunar College of Magic, and so on, and and some of these, of... some of these, Jeff, um, the player characters could probably defeat, and others, yes. if they're if they're sensible, are going to beat as fast a path away as possible from. Yes, it ranges. It them. ranges from Trollkin, you know, a, a group of Trollkin to something as terrifying as. Uh, a rune lord on her way to Herodom. Wow. So, so it's uh, a nice, an, an nice comment. Yeah. An, inter- an interesting question then. So this is the uh, 50 encounters. The uh, next book we could talk about is the bestiary. So how does, yes. how does that differ or compare to this, this set of encounters then? Well, the, 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 the encounter material is... These are all statted up and and set. You know, the GM doesn't have to roll any dice to figure out how many, uh, what the stats are of the elite Sardarite warrior or whatever, whatever is in there. Mm-hmm. Whereas with the best Jerry, this is the range. You know, this is 
and and there's more monsters, non-humans, spirits, whatever, uh, whatever you will, in the best Jerry than there are in the the Game Master book. Mm-hmm. Um, I quite a bit more, and also if you want to play an Elder Race as a um, as a player character, this would be the book that you use. Uh, several of the Elder Races uh, have short cult write-ups for the major cults, uh, sample occupations. It, it doesn't have the degree of uh, depth of character creation that's in the, the core rule book. But from this, you should be able to make a dark troll character and a, a green or brown or yellow elf character, a, a Morakanth, a centaur, a duck. Um, uh, I know I'm missing several, but you playing all the old favorites, I'm sure. Although why you would want to have a noodling character is beyond (laughs) Oh, they were very popular back in the day. Ducks are ducks. Ducks make awesome characters, but noodlings just suck. Well, they, 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 they throw their hands up and say, Please, please, we beseech you, don't kill us. That's pretty much all for our, my for our delicious tales. <laughs> exactly. I mean, life is life is harsh being a newtling. Very, very harsh. So that's the best rebook. So tell us a bit more about that. How many uh, how many creatures do you think are going to end up in there in the I, final? I card? don't even know anymore. I know it's over. Um, let's see. It's. Um, it's big. It's it's over twice as big. Actually, sorry, not twice as big. It's about three times the size of the old RQ granted best Jerry. When all said done, it's going to be somewhere between seventy five and a hundred thousand words. I think about seventy five thousand words. So, so that's a, a cool thing about a best Jerry, of course, is not just the descriptions, but also the uh, illustrations. And yeah, so I'm working with uh, uh, an artist already, and. We've got a we we've assigned a lot of resources to the art of this. So there's going to be over over a dozen full color plates uh, of various creatures, plus um, over a score of black and white illustrations on top of it. And the idea is is we wanted we we're, it's not going to be able to match the Peterson guide as an art book, but we want it to be heading in that direction. Mm-hmm. You know, the Peterson Guide has the advantage that it doesn't have to have stat blocks at all. And there's a, a, a fairly limited number of, of creatures in it. Whereas the Glarenthin Bestiary has to cover a lot more territory and has to have stat blocks. But the art that's in there is going to be very reminiscent of the Peterson Guide in terms of quality and, and, and just basic coolness. It's not going to look like the... Um, old glory, the old RuneQuest bestiary. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of that, um, that was covering the whole of Glorantha. Is this one going to cover the whole of Glorantha or just Dragon Pass? No, this is be focused on. Well, when I refer to Dragon Pass, what I really mean is Dragon Pass, Cathela, or the Holy Country, uh, Prax, and uh, parts of South Peloria. Mm-hmm. So basically the greater Dragon Pass area. And that's what this is going to be focusing on. Because otherwise, when you try to cover too much, you end up with a... You end up developing things before you know how they really should fit in their own ecosystem, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's, It's also a... 
would be sort of a strange uh, a strange thing if we were doing a a game set in Homeric Greece, right? We would we would think about uh, doing stuff in in the Near East and maybe parts of the Mediterranean, but we wouldn't be statting up or or writing about. And these are the gods and creatures of uh, late Bronze Age Scandinavia, and here they are of uh, Shang China, and and you know, and and here are uh, whatever was in the was it the Toltecs at that time? Probably. Yeah, we we don't need stats for Peruvian tree frogs, do we? No, no. I and 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 this is, in my opinion. This is an issue where people, you know, people love the Glorantham setting. They want to know it all. But from as writing it, it makes a lot more sense to build the build things and build uh, comparisons and, 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 you know, how powerful creature A should be or cult A should be compared to creature B or cult B and do this in a way where you figure out your foundations first and then you expand on it. So the best area is focused primarily on the area covered in... Uh, the Greater Dragon right. Pass. Yeah, and, yeah. and its surrounding environs. So, um, well, that's good, because that, of course, leaves the door open for uh, other Absolutely. parts of the world that's to be covered part later. Of phase two. That's part of phase two. So and then what else was nice about it is, is then when you, you, you have a new book in a new area, well, then we can include some interesting new monsters in this without having basically ruined the, um, the cool surprise by putting that into a bestiary where it never gets used. I mean, there were some cool monsters in the old RuneQuest bestiary, but you didn't, since about half of them were from Pamela, I never used them, ever. Yep. Sure. Not even when we played in our own Pelican, <coughs> I don't think David ever used them because most of them were for from far away other parts of Pamela. From places like Slon, for example. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. So um, let's just take a step back. Um, one of the other cool things of about uh, RuneQuest, of course, are cults because that's what uh, player characters will belong to, and that's where a lot of their identity comes from. Um, so we're not having a cults book per se in phase not in one, phase, not in phase one, but now we'll talk about, already... we'll talk about the the cults book for phase two later, but tell us how are cults getting covered in these, these initial rules and what sort of cults well, can people book, expect? In the core book, your cults, we have the super short cult right up in character generation, which is basically what you need to know about that cult, uh, in order to generate the character, which isn't much. Uh, but then you get a longer uh, cult write-up, which is basically the the Gods of Glorantha, what was called the short cult write-up in, in Gods of Glorantha. We get that for... Man, I, I'm, I'm, I, I, I am not remembering quite how many it is. I could, it's easier if I just listed them off, but it's over 14 cults. Uh, mm -hmm. in the cult section uh, for rune magic. And there's actually more detail in the cults than was in God's, in the Gods of Glorantha write-up for RQ3. And the cults include 
um, Argon Argar, Babister Gore, um, uh, Engizi, uh, you know, it would, be, it would be, I would be a lot smarter if I actually was looking at, uh, at the sheet. Isri, Shalana Roy, Lancor Mai, Ermol, uh, Marin Gore, Arnalda, of course, uh, Orlanth, uh, Waha, Stormbull, Yelm, Yamalio, Humacht, uh, Daka Fall, and I'm absolutely certain that I'm missing um, one or two others. Plus, there's information on spirit cults such as Oakfed. So really, um, for someone who's uh, a rune quester from way back, it's got all the old favorites and some new ones and some exactly. some surprises. And, and even the old favorites have been updated in terms of the rune magic, in terms of, of what the requirements are for various rune mastery um, uh, positions such as rune lord or rune priest or god talker. I, I got rid of the one of the things we changed is we got rid of the title of acolyte since mm -hmm. an acolyte uh, always rubbed me a little wrong. It didn't feel it didn't feel right. You know, in none of Greg's stories is anybody ever referred to as being an, an acolyte. acolyte. Yeah, mm -hmm. and so we went back to god talker. Mm -hmm. uh, which does show up in a lot of, of, of Greg stories. So, which, you know, is a more Gloranthan feel. And actually that was what the, the God talker was, uh, or the acolyte position was originally called way back when actually it's very first, the very first thing that Greg ever called it was basic priest, which is a horrible oh, title. Yeah. That's, that's, that's even worse than <laughs> yeah, basic priest. Rune priest um, and this whole hierarchy of, of various magical positions. Um, I can't remember if there was even an advanced priest or uh, something like that. Uh, we don't use that terminology, but it, it was good to interesting to know that the what was called an acolyte in RQ three was not actually called that until RQ three. Mm -hmm. So um, that's those cults are in the core rulebook, yeah. Core rulebook, and then in the game master's book, you have uh, Nizalor, because uh, illumination is very important, and it's something. But it's also something. There, there are things like illumination and becoming a hero and so forth. They're not things that you you really want to have in the core rulebook. That is something that more properly belongs in a game master's book. Well, they're not things same a thing, starting player character is going to be, are they? Exactly. Oh, one I forgot that's in the core rule book is Seven Mothers. Mm -hmm. uh, that's in the core. Uh, but the Red Goddess is in the Game Master book because you cannot be a starting character in the Red Goddess cult uh, without extraordinary GM position, uh, permission because in order to be a, even an, uh, an initiate of the Red Goddess, you have to be both a, a rune master of a lunar cult and you have to be illuminated which is not usually how we start players. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I could certainly imagine a game where, where everybody is uh, at that, but that's not, you know, what the basic assumption that's, should that's be. That's not really the, the default, no. Okay, so, um, and then in phase two, um, well, there is no, going to be still a... Well, we still have the campaign book. Oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. We I, know, have the I know we'll get to that, but I was just going to say in phase two... There is going to be a much bigger treatment of the uh, cults of Dragon Pass. Yes, yeah, so I've been gathering. I've been having volunteers gather 
what I, I, I consider to be the best existing version of uh, a, a gigantic laundry list of cults uh, and gather, the, to, to gather it all together in a Word document that's been formatted, formatted according to our current standards. Uh, you know, a lot like uh, what's in the cult compendium, but also using a lot of Greg's unpublished material that he had put together. And um, the idea there is to have a fully fleshed out uh, description of, of dozens of cults, including cults that have never had any real write-up before. Uh, certainly no canonical write-up. Um, I don't know if you want some examples. Oh no! Let's let's save those for a future discussion about phase two, and now circle back to uh, the final book that's going to be in phase one, which is the campaign book, because that's something I don't think we've yeah, really talked the, about that's at all. The Dragon Pass campaign, and that is a campaign book with um, that covers about a year and a half of time. Mm-hmm. So it starts sixty at the very beginning of 1626 and works its way through about halfway into uh, 1626 into, sorry 1627 so basically takes us from right after Kalar Starbrow's Lightbringer quest uh, and through the the anarchy period in Sartar uh, and ends with the coming of Prince Argrath and so that's a really good busy period of time and also it's a good time to reintroduce people or introduce people into glorantha for the first time uh and it is structured seasonally but it has loads you know with with here are events that are going on in this season here are some suggested adventures and then it has a series of scenarios in it there's scenarios um, by myself, by Chris Klug, by Jason uh, Dural, uh, likely by some others. Uh, this will be the last book that we finish up. Hey, um, uh, I, I'm doing a scenario too. Are you? Are you? <laughs> Indeed, I am. I hope you pop up on that. I hope you would pop up on that. Um, but um, yeah, e- exactly. And I think the, the key I, there to, to say, though, Jeff, is that there's going to be a variety of scenarios. So yes. um, yep. it's it's not uh, it's not just the same thing the whole way through. Can you talk a little bit about what what that is? Well, I, yeah, there's a wide range. There's there's some which are um, uh, bizarre exploration of places in in Dragon Pass that have always just been spots on a map, but actually are really great locations for uh, cool adventures. Uh, like the stinking ruins or the old elf castle, um, mm-hmm. uh, but then there's also going to be battles that players can participate in. There's going to be uh, hero quests that players can participate in, and the idea is, is yeah, there is this these ongoing series of events, and there are uh, 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 suggested adventures. For the players, but it's also written in a way that is not as structured as um, uh, the uh, campaign that was in the original Sarder book. It's going to be, it's going to have more the feel of uh, uh, the Boy King or parts of the Great Arthur campaign. 
the Great Pendragon campaign. The one. Sorry, yeah, the yeah, Pendragon mm-hmm. campaign. Yeah, except and that one that one goes over a number of years. This is more going to be um, about eighteen months. Did you say? Yeah, it's about eighteen months. Now, one of the big differences is that in RuneQuest we structure time by season, mm-hmm. whereas Pendragon it's structured by year. So Pendragon idea- had the winter phase where various things happen, and, and how's, how's it done in the new RuneQuest then? Well, in the new RuneQuest, basically at the end of each each season, you have a chance to get your rune points back with mm-hmm. your um, Holy Day worship, because each god has a seasonal Holy Day. Yep. Thank goodness. Uh, and also, each season is when you get to make your experience checks and your training checks and so forth and so on. So the minor bookkeeping occurs seasonally. And then each year, during sacred time, that's when you determine uh, the fate of the overall community. That's when you make economic, uh, where, where, where you can make economics roles and, and determine the omens for what's coming up for next year. Um, and... Uh, that's also when all of your rune points get reset. So, so even uh, if you, yeah, go on. Even if you've you've done a lousy job worshiping a god during most of the year, as long as you remain an initiate and participate in the sacred rites, sacred time rites, you do get your rune points back. Oh, a few. So, uh, people who've played, for example, the computer game King of Dragon Pass, this will be quite familiar in a exactly. way. Exactly, and and that was a big. A big part of the overall design there is is we really wanted to have it um, capture as much of the feeling and the pacing of King of Dragon Pass as we could. And especially since there's going to be a new game coming out, we really wanted to, to have this capture what were, what, what were some of the coolest features of King of Dragon Pass and incorporate that for RuneQuest. Uh, I think that's Which very exciting. I mean, it's not that surprising. David and I did... Um, a a a long campaign called the uh, uh, using Pendragon Pass uh, called the Settling of Dragon Pass campaign back in the mid '90s that just went on for years and used a lot of that sort of pacing issues and which was you know influential on King of Dragon Pass and frankly mm-hmm. one of my favorite campaigns I've ever been in 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 the my entire thirty odd years of playing role playing games. So, you know, these were cool things, and we want to make sure that we captured it for you all. It's, that's just so exciting. Jeff, we are out of time for this episode today. We oh, have, do we, we we're just even a player? The player aids? <laughs> we, have, we, we are just barely scratching the surface. I think, okay, let's get the player aids in very, very quickly. And okay, then... well, the last thing we wanted to do is make sure, you know, that... that not only is there a, a, a GM screen, but a GM screen by itself is, you know, whatever. It's a GM screen. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can have some pretty art and useful information on it, but it's not really that, in and of itself, that impressive. But we wanted also packet filled with very useful uh, uh, player aids, including cheat sheets for cults, mm-hmm. uh, which is really important now because now with the new rune spell, the, the new rune magic, an initiate of a cult can cast potentially any rune spell known to the cult, and you don't have to pre-sacrifice it, which is wonderful. It gives you great flexibility, feels more Glorantan. The only thing is, is it means you have to have some reference sheet that shows what all your rune spells are, and that's the the idea of these cheat sheets. 
is to basically cult by cult um, have something where the player can look at this and go, oh yeah, that's right. You know, I can. I'm I'm an initiative Orland adventurous. I can cast uh, lightning. So this awesome. is kind of the cliff notes to being an Orlanthi. Yes, or Marangor, or whoever it is. But the idea is, is so you don't have to be constantly rummaging through the rule book because uh, that's no fun. Yeah, yeah. That's and then terrific. also another thing that that I'm working on, which is almost an art project within this, is to have a really good and cool uh, Glorantin calendar. And that that may sound silly, but so many time really matters. In Glorantha. It matters what season it is. It matters what week it is. It matters what day it is. If you're a lunar, you have to be tracking every single day because you need to know if the moon is full, yep. in which case you're going to walk, or uh, if it's, it's dead or dying, black or dying, which means you probably want to hide under a rock. Uh, and if you're an initiative occult, you want to know when your next holy day is. Because that's really important for you, because that's when you get your rune points back. Yeah. And so, well, that's, when, that's when your god is at its strongest. If you want to go yeah, down and, and purge that chaos nest, you want to do it on fire day if you're a yelm cultist. Exactly. And what we don't want to do is have this just be a, a calendar that looks like a Glorantha-sized version of something you bought from a, you know, a, a store. You know, that's got you know a picture of a kitten holding, uh, hanging onto a wire or something like that. You know, uh, we wanted the, to to have more of that Bronze Age, ancient world feel. And so I'm working with a graphic designer on some concepts. Nice. So um, the Call of Cthulhu um, GM screen had a similar sort of thing, didn't it? It had uh, exactly. It's going to be. It's going to be. There's going to be some similarity in this. Um, you know, I don't know. There may or may not be um, uh, a small intro uh, adventure in the GM screen as well. That was a cool thing that was in the um, uh, the the keeper screen. There'll definitely be maps, um, you know, and and nice foldable maps. So the idea is, is the GM screen ends up being something that is just cool and valuable in its own right. Well, that's something else to really look forward to. Jeff, we really are out of time, and we have only scratched the surface. We need to come back and have a chat about Phase 2 very soon. Next time I can prize you out of your bunker. But it was awesome. uh, it was wonderful to have you back again here on Tales of Mythic Adventure. So Always um, a blast. It always is. And uh, we'll catch you next time, Jeff. Tally-ho. Tally-ho. Oh, the sun never sets on us. 